This is 50 miles per hour. Pop quiz, hot shot. There's a bomb on a bus. You're deeply nuts, you know that. Once the bus goes 50 miles an hour, the bomb is on. Stay on or get off. If it drops below 50, stay on or get off. It blows up. Oh darn. What do you do? You have a hair trigger aimed at your head. What do you do? What do you do? What do you do? I'm your host, Chris Tapley, and you're listening to an oral history of director Jan de Bont's 1994 summer blockbuster, Speed. Straight from the people who made it happen. Now, don't forget to fasten your seatbelts. Let's hit the road. Hello and welcome back to another episode of 50 Miles Per Hour, your personal tour through the making of a movie I love. Now, where were we? Ah, yes, Speed has a director, Jan DeBont, whose career we dug into last week with film critic Bilga Ibiri. The movie is a go, but, well, it still needs a cast. Most importantly, it still needs a Jack Traven the LAPD SWAT officer at the center of the story whose heroics get him onto the bus, and even under it, as he attempts to rescue the other 19 individuals on board, each of them held at the whim of madman bomber Howard Payne. An early draft of the screenplay describes Jack as, quote, 30, good-looking, athletic. He usually has a great smile, but right now he's not smiling. He's trying to talk someone, unseen, from jumping and he's trying not to fall himself, unquote. It's sort of a riff on the Martin Riggs jumper scene from Lethal Weapon, and the unseen jumper Jack is talking down turns out to be his aunt's chihuahua, a bit of shenanigans before he gets called off to deal with the elevator situation. So this is who they're trying to find. Keep in mind, there isn't a big budget to work with here. So even though swings will be made, the industry's top stars are, like the industry's top directors, mostly a pipe dream. It's a movie business in the early 90s, dominated by guys like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Hasta la vista, baby. Sylvester Stallone. Remember, shithead! Keep your arms and legs in the vehicle! At all! Bruce Willis. Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. Mel Gibson. You have the right to remain unconscious. Anything you say ain't gonna be much. And, same as it ever was, Tom Cruise. I feel the need, the need for speed. Ow! Yeah, all of those guys were way out of this movie's league. And others, like Harrison Ford, Chuck Norris, and Steven Seagal, along with Schwarzenegger and Stallone, had forged a sort of middle-aged mold for this kind of star that more reflected the audience that Fox was looking to entice with speed. Here's former Fox executive Jorge Saralegui on that particular point. Okay, think about who the who the action stars were. And by that, I mean literally every single action star. It's a guy who was at least 40 years old. And again, that was the heyday of the action movie. In, in the aughts, it became the, the uh, superhero movie, right? And it's been that ever since, right? But, 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 but that era, the 80s going into the 90s, was the action movie time. And all those guys were like men or men plus. You know what I mean? They're getting older or whatever. So that's who you're looking for. That's who the movie's for. That having been said, the guy who was at the top of Jorge's list didn't exactly fit this criteria. Do you remember who that was? Guys, IMDb right there, 62 movies, um, and a ton of success. I mean, come on, bro, I won Best Picture at 20. I wasn't even trying. 
was even warm. That's right, Tiger Blood himself. The first top name on our list was Charlie Sheen. Who didn't want to do it? We set this up in a previous episode, but Charlie Sheen was, and is, of course, one of Hollywood's princes. The son of actor Martin Sheen, who had achieved great success right out of the gate in films like Oliver Stone's Platoon and Wall Street. By late 1993, he had pieced together a somewhat eclectic movie star career. I mean, he had worked with directors like John Sayles, Dennis Hopper, and Clint Eastwood, and he had shown comedic chops in stuff like Major League, Minute Work, and the Hot Shots movies. He had dabbled in action movies, too, from polished military swagger like Navy SEALs to the Brat Pack Western stylings of Young Guns to made-for-TV schlock like HBO's Beyond the Law. Fox was riding high on the summer box office success of Hot Shots Part Deux in 1993, and the studio had Sheen and co-star Christy Swanson's road trip action comedy The Chase in the can as well, set for a spring 1994 release. Jorge and others were big on him for the Jack Traven role in Speed, but, like virtually every other star in town, he would turn his nose up at the project. Here is producer Mark Gordon. Charlie Sheen, Billy Baldwin was at the top of the list, I think. Bruce Willis was at the top of the list. There were other people that we talked about who weren't interested, but there was a long goddamn list. Everybody pretty much passed. I was afraid that they weren't going to make the movie. At the end of the day, we got so many passes that I thought, how am I going to pay my mortgage? We were going to meet Michael Madsen. Reservoir Dogs might have just come out. It had just come out. We were going to meet him. This is further down the line, right? We're not getting who we want. So, and, and yet he's more, he looks, he's like somewhat younger version of the classic action looking kind of guy, right? Okay. Um, and so we are going to have a meeting with him, you know, meet him to discuss it. And it's um, me and Tom Jacobson and Peter Churin. I, you know, I don't remember if it was the way he was dressed. It wasn't anything too crazy, but it wasn't what you expected, but it was his vibe. But the vibe was such that Peter Churin totally seamlessly takes over and starts talking about how we want him for the bad guy role. And it was really funny because he came in for the lead and, and he didn't, who knows if he was confused or if he thought, I thought my agent told me this, who knows what. And so the meeting went smoothly and no, he didn't want it. <laughs> and there's no way he would have gotten it, but it was a way to get out of it. It was a way to get out of the meeting. And he might've thought he actually wouldn't be a bad, you know, he wouldn't be a bad, bad guy. You know, um, he didn't do anything or say anything crazy, but honestly, I don't remember. It was just, you got the feeling, whoa, this guy, <laughs> we do not want that. We do not want to be dealing with this. And while we're at it, I should probably take this opportunity to bring up the perfect weapon himself. Paramount Pictures presents international Kenpo star, Jeff Speakman. In a number of interviews over the years, martial artist and former action star Jeff Speakman has said that when Speed was in development at Paramount, it was in fact being developed with him in mind as his second film at the studio. I did ask former Paramount exec Don Granger about that, who we heard from a few episodes back, and he said it did not ring any bells whatsoever. His words, for whatever that's worth. Then again, who knows what kinds of desperate conversations were happening in the hallways of Paramount as the film was heading into turnaround over there. 
After all, as you heard Don previously say, his last-ditch effort was mounting the film as a Beverly Hills Cop 3 script. Anyway, let's hear from screenwriter Graham Yost for the first time this week. Casting Jack was difficult, and I, the, the line I heard was there was a kid of someone at Fox. One of their children said, what about Keanu Reeves? And the thing that went through my mind was I'd seen um, Point Break and thought, eh, it's a little, it's okay. Um, but it was Parenthood. He was great in Parenthood. Keanu Reeves, for the first couple of months that we're, you know, come to figure out casting, he's too young. In other words, that we won't even talk about him. He's just plain off the list. He's not a pro and con guy. He's just, no, he's a kid. And you can't have a kid in, in the kind of movie that we just talked about a minute ago. And so at some point, we've hit so many people. Like Woody Harrelson is the name that just came into my head right now. But I mean, it was a million people. So we eventually have a list that actually has Keanu on it. But of course, everybody thinks he's too young. Jorge keeps hitting this note that Keanu Reeves was too young. I think that's funny because Keanu is, in fact, a year older than Charlie Sheen. And William Baldwin, for that matter. It just goes to show what the industry's perception of the 28-year-old actor must have been at the time. But talk about an eclectic career. So, yeah, let's finally get into Keanu Reeves here. It was short-sighted and kind of boneheaded, 2020 hindsight or not, to have overlooked what this guy had been up to. By 1993, Keanu had already been earning a paycheck in front of the camera for a decade. He started out in commercials, hawking Coca-Cola, MTV, and cornflakes on TV screens across the land. He took on his share of dreamboat boyfriend roles, but also mixed in bleeding-edge material like Tim Hunter's disaffected youth drama River's Edge, which would, incidentally, mark the first time he would share the screen with Dennis Hopper albeit briefly and in a movie where their characters never interact. Most have likely never familiarized themselves with pre-90s Keanu Reeves, but when you look at his early work in movies like Babes in Toyland, The Night Before, and The Prince of Pennsylvania, it's difficult to really pin down what kind of a career he was going for. And I mean that in the best possible way. By the time he's a last resort choice for Fox to play a cop in their B-movie about a bomb on a bus, he's worked with Catherine Bigelow, Gus Van Sant, Francis Ford Coppola, Kenneth Branagh, and Bernardo Bertolucci. But, in the eyes of most, he's just... Ted. I believe our adventure through time has taken a most serious turn. Listen, Keanu had been really good in Point Break, but who knew? He had charisma. He was like, is this guy a movie star or not? Who the hell knows? We eventually get to the point where, okay, fuck it, Keanu. And, you know, it's kind of like, I mean based on what bill and ted and he just done i think the uh, uh private idaho or something like that i think um and i think he was gonna do little buddha or, or so, i think it was oh no, no no he was he just done the um the shakespeare movie whatever that was and so we talk ourselves into going yeah he could be the action guy okay here is former fox production president tom jacobson just like some of the stars just like the tom cruises of the world were just like sure we would love tom cruise to star in this but you know the decision to and I think we took a couple swings uh, at, you know, it's always in casting. You know, let's take a swing or two with an obvious name. Uh, but we wanted to make the movie. And, that, and that's another thing back in the studio days. You know, studios, what studios are actually still good at is when a studio decides to make a movie. Yeah, you always got to cast. You always got to have someone that, you know, someone will prove. But 
for most studios, it's the movie that they want to make rather than the package. The independent world is like, who's in it? Can we sell that person overseas? The independent action world. Um, but that's how like in the independent action world, you would have never got, even if you had the money, you would have never gotten this movie made with Keanu because he had no comps. He had no history in, in this uh, you know, people knew him from Bill and Ted's. He'd been in Parenthood. And, he, you know, even now thinking about it, like, why did we, you know, he came in and pitched himself for it. Why did we decide to hire Keanu? Good for us. I don't really remember how the decision was made. He said, we'll meet with him. So he came over to Disney where Mark had his office and drives up on a motorcycle and he's six foot whatever. And he's lean and he already had a cool haircut. And, uh, you know, we could talk about Toronto. Um, so it was that, that just felt, that just felt right immediately. So we go out to Keanu Reeves, he passes, he has no interest in it. It's not who he is. Okay. You know, he says, right. <laughs> so now it becomes, how do we get him to say yes? <laughs> and, and Jan got him to say yes in a one-on-one -on -one in which he told him he could do his own stunts, by the way. So I'd never heard that till this moment. And that says a lot about Keanu when you see his, his ethic in the, uh, the Wick movies training he goes through. I know he, he made, I remember him making the, the, the jump from the, from the Jaguar to the bus and people were scared mm -hmm. shitless. I gotta get on that bus. You gotta get him. Yeah, yeah, you get on the bus. And he did not all of it, obviously, but he did a lot of that kind of like um, skateboard type thing that he was on underneath the bus. He did a lot of that too. We won't be able to hold this thing steady for very long. I just need a few minutes. If I can't do it by then, I can't do it at all. Harry, you with me? Yeah, you be careful, Jack. And it's actually one of the things that worked well in the movie was how much Jan actually, because there were some things that we actually could have done digitally that Jan wanted to do practically. And we did. And some of them were, first of all, they were probably illegal back then. Some of them, some of them would be illegal today. You couldn't do a lot of it today, but a lot of it happened, the, well, the stuff with Keanu anyway, a lot of it happened the way that it did, partly because he was told he could do it in order to get him to say yes to do the movie. So he says yes. In fact, I think he even said yes in my office. Literally, there was room for my desk and a small couch. So I stepped out while Jan worked on Keanu, the two of them sitting in my couch, right? And, and, and there's, you know, I mean, kind of like a big closet. And, uh, and, then, and then I came back and, and he was in the movie. Um, or rather he left and then Jan told me that he was in the movie. So this thing about Keanu agreeing to do the movie if he could do his own stunts would seem to go a little against the record that director Jan DeBont has established over the years. Often Jan talks about having to convince Keanu to do his own stunts, not that it was a prerequisite for Keanu signing on to the movie. It's usually his way into talking about how he, Jan, would have to demonstrate some of these stunts before his star would even attempt them, and you get a lot of language about adrenaline and not being scared, and frankly, the kind of stuff that keeps that wild man aura burning around Jan. Here's how the director put it to me. I had to talk about it a long time and also about stunts. He never wanted to do his own stunts. He was completely against it. He said, no, no, he's afraid of everything. He didn't want to do anything. And that's why I did the whole showing off to him. I mean, so doing it first myself, and I only did it when he was there so he could see it. 
and and did it again, and it's because he still doesn't trust me. And we, but then once he started to do it, and he started to realize that actually it's kind of fun to do. I mean, action is fun to do for actors if you open yourself up to it. And and then they realize also that adrenaline level goes up, shoots up like hell now because. Doing acting, it doesn't really, it never happens. You know, you have to create it uh, mentally, but it really, but real adrenaline, you can get so overwhelmed by it that you want it more. You can get uh, addicted to it and really, um, and that is a little dangerous, you know. And But it took um, a good couple of weeks, you know, and after that, it became really easy. And he would do even the things that I thought he would have big trouble with is under the bus, for instance, you know. But, uh, and hanging upside down in the elevator. I mean, I hate that too myself. I had to do it too. But and you, all the blood goes through your head. It, it influences your acting, which in a way is good. After a while, I did it multiple times. I was, I was surprised he did multiple takes. I'm not entirely sure where the truth lies here because Jorge is conveying a story secondhand, that Jan told him that Keanu agreed to do the movie if he could do his own stunts. But that seems unlikely for a guy who came into the meeting, according to Jan, not wanting to do stunts. Reading between the lines of my own reporting and what everyone has said over the years, I get the idea that Jan convinced Keanu that this would be an invigorating endeavor. That, as Jan said, stunt work can be fun for an actor. And then maybe he inflated that sales job to Jorge in the studio by saying, oh, I got him to say yes by letting him do his own stunts. Or... Maybe I'm just getting lost in the muck of semantics, but since these two stories are seemingly at odds, I wanted to fill the gap as best I could. Anyway, back to Jan. I mean, it was hard to convince him, to be honest. And I think he's, he was so worried about his Bill and Ted look and, and his, 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 that's what he considered his audience to be in his life. But I told him, actually, this will only help your career. The last thing an actor should do is to establish himself as a one one type actor that can only do one thing, and it will kill you because you're at one point you're gonna get stuck and nothing will come your way anymore that is interesting, you, and you'll end up making remaking the same movie for a long time. And nobody likes that, and also it never works out. But at the end, I think you really, um, I think you learned a lot from this movie, the rest of his career. There's only one guy who can clear all of that up about the stunts, and I'd love to ask him more about it. So, here's the thing as it pertains to Keanu Reeves and this podcast. I have one interview with Keanu that I conducted a decade ago for the 20th anniversary of Speed. It was very brief and not at all wide-ranging, but it's something. So for now, that's going to be the best way I can bring his voice into these proceedings. But I certainly hope as we forge ahead that an opportunity will present itself for us to sit down and discuss this film and his experiences in more detail before this project draws to a close. So, you know, call your congressman, I guess. But for now, from 10 years ago, here is Keanu Reeves, first recalling how Jan struck him in that initial meeting and then how he eventually came around to the project and the role. I think, you know, for me, what I was really struck by was his passion, his energy, his focus, and... Also, it was more for him. It was more than just taking care of the action. You know, I think the way that he, you know, took care of the dialogue and the actors and wanting people to have real reactions and the humanity of it. So it was also it was technical, but it was also emotional. And you know, he told a story. 
So for me, I think he he really shined in that project. I had one action film before then in Point Break, which I had a great experience in. And I mean, certainly, you know, a bus is going to explode if it goes under 55 miles an hour is funny <laughs> and fantastical. Um, but but that being said, that was part of its charm too. And I was I really liked the character of Jack Traven. You know, I really felt like he was a guy who, you know, he wanted to save people. He wanted to be the hero. He's someone who came alive in heightened experience. You know, that's how I thought of him. And, and he has a vulnerability. You know, he runs out of answers, you know. And I liked the, the partnership that he, he strikes up with Sandra's character, Annie. You know, they kind of, they support each other. They end up supporting each other and making it through the day. <laughs> I wonder because I thought he was a very unlikely um, action actor. I, I didn't want to, the typical cliche, big macho guys. I wanted to be like a, more like an accidental uh, action hero. Somebody just happens to run into it and has to deal with it. And that to me is always more interesting than, than there's so many action heroes, The uh, like even Die Hard, he's like, you know, he's built, he's only one, it's all about his physique and, 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 and this movie had nothing to do with physique. I mean, it should never be about physique and about strength. It should be only about smart and intuitive and, and, and quick responding and experiencing, let the experience happen to you like, like, and use it as a, as, a, as a way to perform. And, uh, and that is much more, you know, much more effective. I mean, even with like the costume and stuff, the jacket that I wore, I went out and found with the costumer. There was a, so many of the pants, all of the costume that I was wearing. I worked with the costume designer to kind of have this kind of beach guy who, you know, by day he's a kind of easygoing guy. And then when he puts the kid on, it's, you know, it's go time. <laughs> Speaking of which, I've got you covered. Here's costume designer Ellen Mirajnik. Jan de Bont was very clear that he wanted to create a new action hero. And what I mean by that is at that time, I seem to remember the action hero archetype uh, looked like Bruce Willis or Arnold Schwarzenegger, and it was in jeans and a tank top and a leather jacket. That was the look of the action hero in film at that time. And Jan wanted something totally different for Keanu. I would say actually, this is in, in hindsight, this is not an image that anybody had going, you know, at that particular time. And that is, he was closer to Steve McQueen than he was anybody else. And I say that because he, Keanu had a presence about him that he didn't really need to speak. Um, he held a particular um, persona that was strong and accessible and handsome all at the same time. And I don't think that we had seen that before at that time. All right, so Keanu signs on. And if you're wondering what his price tag was, I did discover that. Keanu Reeves was paid $1 million to star in Speed. And just like that, 
we have ourselves an action movie vehicle taking shape. But you hire a guy like Keanu Reeves, you get the dedication of a guy like Keanu Reeves. Pretty face or not, he's not there to phone anything in. And one decision was about to trigger the studio's pucker factor. So, and then Keanu, who just threw himself and got the part, and then went off on his own without us knowing anything about it, and just went to the, hit the gym hard and turned into this guy. And I remember Jorge calling me one day in the office and he said, hey, Keanu's visiting me. You want to come talk about the script? And uh, I'm just warning you, he looks a little different. Once we got into it, you know, once you say yes, you know, you go, you go for it. So, you know, as, as I, I think I had longer hair and, um, you know, going into the role, you start the physical training, you start working with the SWAT. And for my take on, on Jack, I wanted to have, you know, the, the influence of the military is strong in term at that time and still to the, on the LAPD SWAT. And so I went and got a military haircut. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I came back with like a one on the top and, a, you know, a fade on the side. And I was a jarhead LAPD gum-chewing badass motherfucker, cowboy who wants to save the day and uh, ain't afraid. Young, dumb, and you know how the rest goes. But then when they saw that, I didn't think it looked that bad, but it freaked some people out. <laughs> I don't think they were expecting flowing locks, but I don't think they were expecting seeing like, you know, kind of like complete shade to the side of the head. Um, that guy. But I, I like the place where it ended up, you know. We're now going to hear from screenwriter Paul Atanasio, and I'm jumping ahead a little bit by pulling him in here. Paul would ultimately do some 11th hour revisions on the Speed screenplay, and that is a whole other story that we'll get to soon enough. But I just sort of thought his perspective on this event was kind of funny. Here's Paul. It was like three weeks out of shooting. He was he has as little hair as you could have without being bald. And and he came in and he said, I just thought this was really forward. That was the word he kept using, forward. And Jan's trying to, you know, Jan's there to take care of Keanu, right? So Jan's trying to not say anything and calculating okay, how long will his hair be when we actually start shooting? While we're on Keanu's work ethic, let's hear from actor Jeff Daniels for the first time on this podcast. Jeff would star as Harry Temple, Jack's SWAT team partner, who is working to find mad bomber Howard Payne on the ground while Jack does his thing on the bus. We meet the two of them at the very beginning of the movie when they burst onto the scene downtown to thwart Payne's original attempt to extort the city of millions of dollars with his elevator plot. So here's Jeff's memories of that. He did something that no other actor has done. And I didn't know what the fuck he was doing. And But now I'm going, oh, okay, all right, yeah. It's the first scene I shot with him is early in the film, and we're coming up over that hill in the car and screaming into a parking spot and jumping out of the thing and running into the building. So we back the car up. We're back up over the hill. So it's a long shot of the car coming over the hill and coming in. And we're sitting there, he's driving, and it's, you know, it's nice to meet you. I'm glad to hear it. Great. All right. Ready? Rolling. And he goes, what's our rhythm? Our what? Our rhythm. Maybe something like, he starts drumming on the dashboard. And I'm going, um, yeah, sure. That, yeah, it's good rhythm. I don't know. He's the star. What am I going to go? Can we try a different tempo? No, we're not going to do that. 
And it's, but that was how it's like, here's the adrenaline. Here's the thing. Get the, here's the heart rate kind of, you know, you think of it as a jump, action, and that's still going in his head. And whether it was going in mine, because I was still trying to figure out rhythm. What are you talking about? Boom, and we're going. But that was, it was a cool thing to do. It was a great, it's a, a way to externally kind of change yourself. So you're now, you're, you're not sitting here getting coffee at craft service and getting in the car and going, all right, what are we doing? You're actually, there's, there's, you're coming from somewhere that gives you that rhythm, that roll, that heartbeat, that adrenaline. That was pretty good. I thought that was pretty good. And I'd never seen an act, heard an actor do that or seen an actor do that or offer it to me. But it was also a way to connect, too. You know, it was nice of him. It was great. He was great. He was all in. And as we start to wind down this week, I wanted to bring in casting director Risa Brayman Garcia. We're going to hear a lot more from her in upcoming episodes, but here's what she had to say about bringing Keanu onto the film. I mean, Keanu is, he's not a very chatty guy, but he's a, hes a good guy. And I went into this movie like with my eyes going like rolling, going like Keanu Reeves, what is this? And realized that he's such a deeply sensitive human being and much more complex a human than people ever gave him credit for. I, didn't, I don't know if he knew what to do with this part, but he ultimately, it, it happened. And he, you know, what's a movie star? A movie star is somebody who, you know, this camera loves and the camera loves him. In the end, Keanu would level up with this project, whether it's a role in a movie that flummoxed him or not. And maybe it still does to this day. It definitely gave him a level of exposure that I don't think he was comfortable with, and I'm sure he finds it mind-boggling that there are guys like me so obsessed with this movie and fired up by it. But, and I've said this before, he was exactly the right kind of actor for this role, because he's basically just playing a guy who does his job for two hours. It's a highly observational performance, because he's a cop, reacting to a series of events. There's no huge arc to convey, and it's not like he doesn't have the chops to convey an arc, but it's a role perfect for someone who we just want to watch put the pieces of a puzzle together. And of course he was right for all the reasons we've heard here today. He was unexpected. He was more down-to-earth as action heroes go. He was part of a new breed of movie star being forged in a new decade, and it goes without saying, this would be the movie to launch the global superstardom that Keanu Reeves enjoys to this day. I mean, the John Wick movies have made a billion dollars worldwide, and I feel pretty confident you can rest all of that on his shoulders. The Matrix movies have made nearly $2 billion. This credible action star profile does not happen without speed, which would soon become the first film Keanu would make to cross $250 million at the box office. We're going to get a lot deeper into all things Keanu Reeves in next week's episode, but I wanted to close this week with this observation from LA Times film critic Justin Chang. You'll recall it from our longer chat about the film a few weeks back. What happenstance to land Keanu Reeves, you know, who um, at that time had come off like Little Buddha or something. And the culture has really come around to Keanu Reeves in a big way. And that is another great legacy. I mean, if you look back at this too, it's like Keanu Reeves as an action star is now just one of those things we don't even question. But at the time, of course, this was very new to him. Everything that is wonderful about Keanu Reeves is there on screen in that performance. I mean, this, there's this tremendous freshness, this sweetness, this kindness. I, I love his performance in this. Tell me again, Harry. Why did I take this job? Oh, come on. 30 more years of this, you get a tiny pension and a cheap gold watch. Cool. 
next week on 50 miles per hour. Now that we've filled the role of Jack Traven, it's time to put Keanu on the couch. He's like a film nerd. Bertolucci wants you, like, you say yes, no matter what. Like, the guy made the conformist. Like, forget it. Like, you're just going and doing it. You don't ask, like, am I right for this? I talked to author and journalist Alex Papadimus, whose book Keanu Reeves' Most Triumphant examines the actor's impact and persona across four decades of work. What they demonstrate is, like, almost the range of applications of Keanu like what type of movie you can put Keanu into. Of course, we spend a lot of time analyzing his presence in our Bomb on a Bus movie and how it marked a pivot point, not only for Keanu Reeves, but for the action movie genre. He's becoming like less of this person who is the cop identity and more of a human being who's part of a community. You can see movies exploring what the future of screen masculinity is going to be through the way that Keanu is used in this movie. All of that and more next week, right here on 50 Miles Per Hour. Thanks so much for listening. 50 Miles Per Hour is written, produced, and edited by yours truly, Chris Tapley. You can find us on Twitter at 50MPHPod. I'm at Chris Tapley. That's Chris with a K. You can also catch every episode and more at our website, 50MPHPodcast.com. If you dug the show, please like and subscribe and do all the things. We'll see you next time.